Whenever you were being taught how to drive, where are you supposed to put your hands? Ten and two, right? Right here on the steering wheel, ten and two. Does anybody drive with their hands at ten and two? Nobody? You bunch of terrible drivers. Nobody drives with their hands at ten and two, even though that's the right way to do it. Why? Do we all drive the same? Twelve o'clock. Twelve o'clock. I don't even drive with my hand on the wheel. I drive my wrist on, on twelve o'clock. My hand hangs over and, and beats on the dash and throws up a one finger wave at everybody who drives by. Got to say, hey, two fingers is hello. All the fingers is hi, y'all. You got to. You absolutely got to. And then other people, they'll slouch back in their seat and they'll grab a hold of the bottom of that steering wheel. And they'll be comfortable. And then others, they'll roll their window down and they'll hang their elbow out. Others will roll the window down, they'll hang their whole arm out. And others will roll the window down and hang their head out because they can't see out of the windshield. Everybody drives just a little bit different, even though we're all taught to drive the same. Everything about the way we sing songs is different than that singing Friday. I couldn't sing along with Tour in that city. It's a beautiful song, but I could not sing along with it because it took so long to get through it. Whenever I grew up singing Tour in that city, it was, it was fast. And the song leader made sure it was fast. Some morning we'll find me touring. That's it. Quick, fast, and hurt. And they sang it just a little bit slower. And then whenever Miss Marietta, she did a great job on that song. But uh, my mama plays a little bit different. Some places she goes, she goes high. And some places she goes low. And, and it's just a little bit different. Even though the notes are read the exact same. And the notes say the same thing. Everybody plays just a little bit different. Just, just, just a little. And everybody reads the Bible a little bit different. Some people can sit down and, and open it up and commence to reading and just get after it. I have that alphabet disease where I have a tremendous problem focusing. And I have to study the Bible a little bit different. I have to study it in, in pieces and I have to flip-flop because if, if you know me at all and you know I'm a little scatterbrained and not organized, I have to flip-flop back and forth. I have to change. But things that we all have in common... It's what Jesus told the people. John chapter 11, if you have your Bible. John chapter 11. Jesus told these folks here, and it's one thing that all Christians should have in common. He told them to believe and see. Believe in your heart and see what God does. Believe it's going to happen. And watch God show up. And as believers, we may all sing a little differently. We may all talk a little different. I was in a speaking competition when I was in high school, and I won state, went to Indianapolis, Indiana for the FFA to, to speak and represent Louisiana. When I went up there, it was 52 people we was going against. Now, I kind of felt good about myself, made it through the first round, no problem. Made it through the second round, no problem. I thought it was real good topics they gave me. I thought I did a pretty good job, stayed within my time limit. Got to the third round, and it, and it was the last round of judging. And one of the guys asked me, whenever I finished, he said, where are you from? I said, Louisiana. He said, you talk funny. So whenever I got my, I ended up placing third place, and, and whenever I got my score sheet back, it said, talked with a difficult to understand dialect. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking the only reason I didn't win first place is because I sound different than they did. They was all from, from up north. They were one of them. They sounded like Canadian people whenever they talked. They did. They, they all sounded funny to me. I sounded funny to them. There's one church in the community that they used to, and, and they may not anymore, I'm not sure. But from what I hear, they used to always sing two words behind the piano. Y'all know what church that is? 
That's most of you do. You know what, church? They, they sang two words behind the piano, and, and whenever they went to sing with another congregation, they sung different. Now, together, they sounded good. But it was hard to sing with other people. We're all a little bit different. We're all just, 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 just a little bit. We all drive different. We all talk different. We all look different. Not everybody's going to be the same in anything, except for when it comes, whenever it comes to believing in God. There ain't but one way. Name but one option. To believe or not to believe. Whenever you get to a stop sign, you have four options. It may not seem like it, but you do. Your one option is to scoop right on through it. Break the law. Just never check up. Your second option is what my dad used to do and he told us about it and then mama hit him for it. You roll up to a stop sign, you turn your lights off so the cop don't see you. You look around, if there's no more lights, you just go on through then you turn your lights back on on the other side of the stop sign. And then the third option is, is what most of us probably do. You roll up to the stop sign. You look around. There's nobody coming. Then you roll on through. So you did slow down, but, but you just roll on through. That's time to stop. We're in such a hurry. And then the fourth option is to do what is right, and that is to stop. Now, there are two extremes. One is fly through. One is absolute stop the way you're supposed to. But in the middle, you have a gray area. You could. You could. Some, some cops will let you get away with it, others won't. But whenever it comes to God's Word, there's a yes or a no. There's a believe or a don't. There's trust in God and watch what He can do. Or sit back and say there is no way. John chapter 11, verse number 3. Therefore his sisters, talking about Lazarus, they said he was sick. And therefore his sisters said unto him, Lord, behold... He whom thou lovest is sick. And they didn't have to call Lazarus' name. Jesus knew who it was. He said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus told or sent word to these ladies that his sickness is not unto death. And Jesus tarried. And in just a minute, Lazarus died. But remember the words of Christ. He said, The sickness is not unto death. He abode for two days in verse 6 in the same place where he was. And then after that, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. And as he went uh, during that journey, Lazarus died. Now Jesus told them, He ain't going to die. The sickness is not unto death. This sickness is for the glory of God. Verse number 12, Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, and they thought that he had spoken and taken a rest in sleep. And Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now he just told them that this sickness is not unto death. And then he shows up, and Lazarus is dead. Verse 21, And Martha said unto him, Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. And Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Now let's jump down to verse number 34. And Jesus asked, He said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. So Jesus said, He is dead. And then Jesus told Martha, He said, He will live again. 
But before all this, Jesus told him he's not sick unto death. So, so can you imagine being a disciple? And I know the Bible talks about a couple of them, but mainly just Mary, Martha, and Jesus. But can you imagine being a disciple? And you're right here with Jesus. And word comes to him that somebody is sick, and Jesus said, oh, he ain't going to die. And in just a minute, somebody shows up and said, hey, he did. And then Jesus looks around and says, Lazarus is dead. He's not sleeping. He's dead. What's going through their mind? A lot of times I can't wrap my head around why God put this in the Bible, but He did it for us. But Jesus said, the sickness is not unto death. And then Lazarus died. And I've heard a lot of preachers preach in several different directions about this verse, but when the Bible says He is dead, I believe that God means He is dead. People say, well, He was in a temporary state of death. Not entirely sure what that means. But I've heard it twice. Say, well, he was in a coma. No, being in a coma ain't dead. He was dead. Verse 39, Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, uh, uh, Martha, the sister of him, that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said unto her, Satan, that said not I unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, that thou shouldst see the glory of God. Now they believe that after three days that, that the body began to rot and that's when it all happened. And uh, that's, I think that's the reason Jesus let him lay there four days. But he told Martha, he said, move away the stone, take away the stone. And he said, don't you remember when I said that if you would believe, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. And they took away the stone from the place where the devil was laying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it. They might believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And here come a dead man walking. Here he come. He was dead. He was dead. And he showed up. He came walking out of the grave. And we're not going to get into the, the fact that I love the verse 42 where, where Jesus thanked God for that, but we're not going to get into that. Tonight, I want to look at the, the, the words that Jesus said to Martha. He said, If thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Now, I want to pull five specific things out of this verse, the first of which is, is a... A rebuke, and it ought to be a rebuke to every Christian that's ever lived. He said, if. If you believe. That means that we have a choice whether or not to believe. Now, we're all different, right? But we all have the same choice, yes or no. Whether or not to believe. And if we do believe, we have to believe expecting that God will show up. He said to pray unto Him believing that He will show up. I don't believe that Jesus would have said, Lazarus, come out of there, if he didn't believe that Lazarus wasn't coming out. Now, I know Jesus got a lot more power than you and I do. But his father and our father are the same person. So if we're going to pray, if we're going to ask God for something, it's hard to sit there and pray and say, God, I, I, I hope that you can do this for this person. All the while, you're going ahead and making plans because they're not going to make it. You can't show up uh, y'all have all heard the story, I know you have, about all the farmers who showed up 
to pray for rain. And one of the farmers brought his son with him and his son come along dragging an umbrella. Had more faith than all the rest of them. You can't go and pray for rain and not bring your umbrella. It don't work that way. Another guy, and you've probably heard of that one too, the, the, the guy went out and right after the prayer meet, got on his tractor the next morning, commenced to plow in the field. Everybody looked at him like, you're crazy. Well, didn't we pray for rain? If it rains on a field that ain't plowed, it ain't going to do nobody no good. Did not we pray for rain? He prayed believing. So the first statement that Jesus makes here, or the first word is, if thou wouldest believe. Should be a rebuke to us each and every time we find ourselves saying this problem is bigger than God. Because it ain't. There ain't a problem that we got that's bigger than God. There ain't a question that we have. There's not a struggle. There's not a temptation. There is nothing that we will face, nothing that we will have in this life that's bigger than God. It don't exist. There's nothing that it's, it's not. So what keeps us from believing? If nothing is bigger than God, if nothing is greater than God, if nothing is out of His control, if nothing is out of His hand, then why can we not believe whenever we pray? Why can we not believe whenever we serve? Daniel went into that lion's den believing that God was going to take care of him. The three Hebrew children uh, they got thrown, and, and I believe that given the opportunity, they would have walked into that fiery furnace. Believing that God was going to take care of them. They said, O king, we're not careful to answer you. Our God whom we serve shall deliver us out of their hand. Paul and Silas sang praises to God. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's very short and sweet. Peter was in jail and they was having a prayer service for him. Praying. Free Peter. We, we, we free Peter. The, uh, the other disciple had already been beheaded. And Peter was next. And everybody was met praying. And Peter walked up and knocked on the door. And the girl heard his voice and without opening the door, she ran back and said, Hey, y'all, Peter's outside. And they called her crazy. They're praying for Peter. Praying for God to deliver Peter. And whenever the girl said, Peter is outside, they said, You're mad. Don't that sound like this? It does. That's one of my favorite stories because The Bible says that they were astonished. That they were astonished. That they that, and, and that word literally means that they could not believe what they were seeing, seeing, hearing, feeling. They could not believe it. Now just because we don't understand something, that don't mean we shouldn't believe it. Just because we can't wrap our head around it, don't mean we shouldn't believe it. Jesus said to believe in Him. What else does it take? So we have the choice to believe or not to believe. He said, believe. If thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. The second point we want to pull out of here that this is a guide to those who seek God. That if they'll believe, there is a promise made. If you believe, you will. If you believe. God's promise, God's book, His Word is full of promises. But this is one of the biggest ones that I find is that if we'll believe, we will see the glory of God. And I know that y'all have seen it here at Harmony Church. I've seen it in my life, people around us. We've seen the glory of God. And we've seen people believing wholeheartedly. And that brings us to the third point, which is comfort for the believer. 
But God promises us that if we believe, He will take care of us. If we believe, we will see His mercy. If we believe, we will see His grace. If we believe, we will see His comfort. And that's not saying that things will be easy. I think it was two Wednesday nights ago I asked a question. Does having faith in God, does having faith that He'll take care of us, protect us, make the hurt hurt any less? Does it make it easier? Does it make it shorter pain? Part of living this life, part of the curse of sin is pain. It it, it is. Part of the curse of sin is struggle, is temptation. I told one of my kids at school this past week, they they took a a brand new pair of shoes that got a stain on them. And they said, I don't wear shoes that stain. They threw them in the trash can. They pulled out a new pair of shoes out of their bag and they put them on. And they said, these shoes aren't stained. And they take masking tape, the, the clear packing tape, and they'll put it on the bottom of their shoes to keep the bottom of their shoes from getting dirty. People crazy. And I told them, I said, I'm over here rubbing together two nickels trying to make a dime. And you throwing away a $100 pair of shoes. It's... it's People are supposed to struggle. People are supposed to be different. People are supposed to get stains on their shoes. That don't mean that God has turned us loose, that God has forsook us. That's part of the curse of sin. He told me and he said, you will sweat. And I think I told somebody here this morning, I thank God for the temperatures that we get to sweat in because I know the temperatures is coming. It's going to chill to the bone. I'm not looking forward to that. But part of that curse, part of that sin, part of living is struggling. How do you know what is good if you don't know what's bad? How do you know? How do you know what's light if you don't know what, what dark is? How do you know what's cold if you don't have a hot? Everything has, a, has an opposite. Good has evil. Light has dark. Cold has hot. So how do you know what is one without the other? Emily wanted to sing the, the God on the Mountain song. How do you know what a mountain is, is if you don't know what a valley is? It may be a dumb question, but it makes you think. How do we know what is good if we don't know what is bad? How do we know that God can bring us through a troubling time if there are no troubling times? There's a, a, a page on a, an article on Facebook, and it's, it's under this picture of a leaning barn. And it's about a prayer prayer a man made, and if you hadn't seen it, go look it up. It's called Prop Me Up on My Leaning Side. And I love it. It says, Lord, prop me up on my leaning side because God will support us where we are in most need of it. And it's a beautiful prayer. It's a beautiful message. But how would we know what we can handle if God don't send it our way? How will we know, how will we remember, how will we appreciate to thank, to praise Him if everything's always easy? We got a ranch at the house. It's a pipe ranch. It's that long. It's got a red handle. It fits five, six, seven inches of pipe you can fit in it. And there's one thing in the world that we use that pipe for, and that's taking off disc blades. And the only time that we ever need it is whenever we have a broke disc blade and we're trying to take it off. Otherwise, it stays on the shelf in the shop. And when as, long, as long as it's on the shelf in the shop, then times are good. As long as it stays on that shelf, it's all rosy. 
But if I never have to change this blade, how do I know to appreciate when all the blades are all working good? If I never have to pull that wrench down, if I never have to struggle over changing the blades or the bearings or whatever it may be, if I never have to do that, how do I know to appreciate when it's running right? I don't. God didn't promise that everything would be easy. The psalm said that, that Christ was the rose among the thorns. We're living among the thorns. It's not supposed to be easy. We're supposed to believe and see the glory of God. And that is the cheer to the worker of God at this first prayer. It's supposed to be encouraging. It's supposed to be uplifting. Yes, it's a, a, a story of a real happening of God's mercy, of God's mighty power. He raised a man from the dead. But what Jesus said is, believe in me. Believe in God. And watch what happens. I hope you can all make it back next, next week. I have an experiment we're going to do with everybody in church. It's easier than it sounds, but it's, it's the power of your mind. If you believe something, it can make it true. If you believe something, it can change everything. Y'all ever seen the movie Space Jam 1 with Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny? Great movie. So Space Jam 1, they're losing the basketball game. And Bugs Bunny comes back out of there and, 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 and he's, he's got this bottle and Michael Jordan gives him, gives him his bottle and he says, look, this is Gatorade, this is Powerade, this stuff right here will make you the best basketball player there is. And he chugs it. And he, he, he swells up and he says, oh, I feel better now. And he gave it to everybody on the team, and they went out and they won the game. Guess what was in the bottle? Water. But it's all about what you believe. If you think you can, ain't that what the train said in old kids' cartoon? I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. If you think you can, if you believe you can, it makes a tremendous difference in whether or not you actually can. And if you think God can, if you believe God can, it makes a dramatic difference in whether or not God does it. Not whether or not he can, but whether or not he does. <clears throat> the last thing I want to look at this verse tonight is the hope that it gives. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior tonight, Jesus said, If thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Salvation is part of the glory of God. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior tonight, if you will believe in him, you will see the glory of God. You will see God like you have never saw Him before. You will see His mercy, His power, His grace like you have never seen it before, but you have to believe. And tonight you're presented with a choice to know everybody is different in every way. We're all the same in that we make one of two choices. We believe or we don't. Tonight, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in the power of God? It's a yes or no. Oh, we have a verse for song. As for verse of imitation, someone.